The Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Game Podcast Network is brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Down the hall. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit HGFBets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. We're also brought to you by Cut. Cut is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and available in 40 states. Head to Cut.com, that's K-U-T-T.com, and use promo code SGPN to get a 10% deposit bonus. We're also brought to you by the SGPN Merch Store. 15% off everything when you use the promo code PLAYOFFS. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast. And now it is currently early Saturday morning, January 27th, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Reichel, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode, bit of a short episode, because we have uh, one match to talk about, which is, of course, the men's final in the Australian Open between Medvedev and Sinner. So we're going to preview that matchup. But before getting to any of that, I do want to talk about the actual game plan for this episode. Normally, we do the lock and dog recap but we don't have anything to recap because we recapped the men's semifinal picks in the women's final episode. And of course, the women's semifinal, uh, the women's uh, final has not happened yet. So because of that, we have no actual picks to recap. So we're going to move ahead and look at the actual semifinals. We're going to recap what happened in the semis. Then we'll get into the actual preview for the matches, uh, for the match going to the betting lines and talking about uh, what I think is going to happen when they play on uh, Sunday morning, early Sunday morning. But anyway, time to get into the actual uh, recap of the semis. A reminder for our picks with the semis ended up splitting. We had a two-pick parlay for the lock. We had the over three and a half sets in the Djokovic match and the over three and a half sets in the Medvedev match. And that paid out at plus 113. That got there. And then for the dog ended up losing because we thought Djokovic would win with the match going over three and a half sets. That part happened, but Djokovic lost in four. So either way, split the men's semifinal picks. Look for a sweep here in both the women's final as well as the men's final episodes. So starting off with the actual recap of the semis, I said it before, Djokovic ended up losing. The reign is officially over as Sinner was able to really dominate the match from start to finish. And you could argue that Sinner probably should have won in straight sets, but he ended up winning in four. Real story of the match was the fact that Sinner has be- now beaten Djokovic in three of the last four meetings. If you include the split they had in the ATP finals and the Davis Cup uh, matchup there in the semis, I believe. And now you have the Australian Open semi. So once again, Sinner has really kind of found his groove against Djokovic and Medvedev. I'll get into in a second. But Sinner has been in great form. And he's only dropped one set in this entire event. So he's been rolling. And he definitely looks like he's ready to potentially win his first Grand Slam title in his very young career. But the story was Sinner's serve in this match or just the lack of proper returning by the best returner of all time. As Djokovic had zero break points in the entire match. So Sinner really wasn't stressed out at all. He might have had one or two love 30 games. Nothing that was uh, too extreme. But Sinner ended up not really being pressured at all in any of the service games, as Sinner did eventually win in four sets. Djokovic was really awful uh, for most of the match, just simply put. Looking at his overall quotes in the post-match, he called it pretty much the worst Grand Slam match he's ever played. Might be a bit of hyperbole, but the point is with him being the best player of all time and with him dominating for the past decade and change, it was the worst match that I've seen him play in a Grand Slam, probably that I could remember in the last decade and change. So maybe it's a bit of an exaggeration because early in his career, I'm sure he had a worse match when he was just starting out. But for a number one player in the world, he really did not play well. Simply put, and Sinner, you thought maybe would be nervous uh, facing off against a guy who's this comfortable in Australia 
in such a big environment, arguably the biggest match of his career, and it had no impact on center. He looked dominant from start to finish, and he was able to once again dethrone uh, Djokovic, and now as a result, we will have a new champion. But to go through the other semifinal, that one was pretty straightforward. Uh, Djokovic was able to fight off a match point in the third set tiebreak, and then Djokovic was able to somehow steal that third set before losing in uh, four as he dropped that service game when he led love four, uh, when he led 40 love, and that was the only break of the entire fourth. But then you had the other semi, which was absolute chaos between Zverev and Medvedev, as you ended up seeing uh, Medvedev get the job done as he came back from two sets to nothing down as he won in five. Now, the real story of the match, I want to get into the, uh, I'd say, I don't, know, I don't know if I want to call it a rant, but at least a discussion about Zverev. But I am going to talk about Medvedev for a second because I have to give him props for the resolve throughout this entire event as well as with the actual match in itself in the semis against Zverev because he was down 2 nothing and it did not look good at all. And in fact, Medvedev was getting broken left and right got broken five times in the first two sets combined, and then he flipped the switch because in the final three sets, Medvedev faced zero break points in the final three sets. So he kind of just found his groove, and Zverev, who had a lot of success returning early in the match, really had no success for the last couple hours, and that was the story of it. Uh, not to mention the uh, mishit hurt around the world, which was Medvedev's 5-5 tiebreak return in the fourth set which looked like a drop shot on the return, something Alcaraz would have done, but he admitted in the post-game or post-match press conference that was actually a mishit and that was not intentional. So once again, that was a pretty lucky break for Medvedev, but you need a couple of those when you're going to play four-plus hours. And Medvedev once again was able to extend his good head-to-head record against Varev as he came back from two sets of nothing down. Now, the other side of the coin is Zverev, and we've got to talk about him for a second, because in addition to all of the controversy surrounding him with the assault, lawsuit, etc., I got to bring up the choking legacy, because he has been known, especially by me on the show, for being an all for being an all-time choker on tour, at least at this point in time, because you'd figure with the amount of success he had early in his career and the trajectory that he was going to have, he probably would have at least one Grand Slam by now. You figured it. Now, Nadal and Djokovic have remained, of course, threats. And Nadal, not so much anymore. But the point is, when Zverev was starting out, you figured Nadal and Djokovic would start to decline to some degree. Nadal has. Djokovic did lose in the semi, but we know how, that he won three titles last year. So, once again, Djokovic is still in great form. But you figured Zverev at some point would find an opening, and he maybe would find a way to win a Grand Slam. And yes, he did get injured in the French Open a couple of years ago, which set him back by about a year, give or take, as he ended up seriously injuring his foot in that match against Nadal in the French Open about a year or two ago. But Zverev, here's a stat that I find pretty telling for me about Zverev. He has lost two career matches when leading 2 nothing. Two career matches. And they're the two biggest matches of his career. He lost in five sets against team in the U.S. Open final, the COVID year, uh, where Djokovic ended up not... I don't remember if he was not participating or if he got ejected for the ball boy incident. I think it was the ball boy incident where he ended up hitting a lines judge uh, and you ended up seeing him have to default. But the point is, Verev led to nothing in that match. That was a Grand Slam final. And he was up a break serving for the match in the fifth set against team. And he choked it. And he lost in a fifth set super breaker 
Uh, so or a fifth set tiebreak. So once again, Zverev had a golden chance there to win one. Maybe an asterisk around it, but still the point is Zverev had a shot to win one. And then he had the match against Medvedev, where he led to nothing, had a shot with no Djokovic once again, because this match took place after uh, Sinner pulled off the upset. So Zverev knew that Djokovic was no longer in the field, and he led to nothing, and he blew it again. So those are the only two times in his career Zverev has lost a match when leading to nothing. So once again, that kind of sums up Zverev's history of underachieving in big moments. If you wanted to group it via tier system, I group him with Sitsipas. I feel like it's a pretty safe and pretty reasonable comparison. Both guys have had moments. They've fallen short every time. And at some point, you're kind of hoping, at least maybe not for Zverev because of the allegations and stuff like that. But you figured as a tennis fan, at some point, they would at some point break through. And they just haven't, just simply put. So Zverev, once again, extends his choking legacy. Props to Medvedev for coming back. And once again, I want to at least bring up that even though I got to give props to Medvedev for not uh, getting broken or facing a break point in the final three sets, Zverev really only making one Grand Slam final and only uh, having a couple of Masters 1000 titles to show for anything without actually winning a Grand Slam is pretty, I'd say, disappointing on his behalf uh, for the career that he was projected to have at this point being a future face of tennis, or at least being projected to be that way when he was starting out. So once again, I wanted to mention that because Verev, even though he played well for the entire tournament up to that point, beating Alcaraz, pulling up an, up to, an upset there, you figure when you're up to nothing in that spot, Medvedev had played a bunch of tennis in pretty much every round before that. You figure he would have probably gotten the job done, and he didn't. And I feel like the sad part is that if you were watching that match early in the morning, you knew as soon as Zverev started to struggle in the breakers in the third and fourth sets, I don't think anybody was picking him to actually win that fifth set. And that kind of sums up our thoughts on his career up to this point. Either way, though, time to move on to the actual semifinal preview. But I mean, uh, get into the uh, final preview. Before we get into any of that, going to have a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long. NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball, and college football. Simply pick higher or lower on your favorite players' fantasy stats and cash in, and you can win up to 100 times your money with some spicy plays. So watch along, make your picks, maybe uh, make a little money over Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. And remember, when you sign up with the promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gateway Podcast. Just finished recapping the men's semis. Now it's time to get into the actual preview for the men's final between Sinner and Medvedev. Sinner is a pretty big favorite here, which might surprise some people because Medvedev has been here before. He's won and he's won a, a Grand Slam title before. Probably should have won two, had the choke job against Nadal, where he lost in five. Also made the U.S. Open final, where he lost to Djokovic last year. So he's been here before. This is going to be Sinner's first ever Grand Slam final appearance, so you figure nerves might be a factor, but not according to the odds makers because Sinner is currently at minus 270 on the money line. Medvedev is around a plus 230. Over-under in game to set a 38.5. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. As for the actual game spread, Sinner minus 4.5 games is minus 125. Medvedev plus 4.5 games is plus 105. For some alt lines, you can get 3.5 games at minus 155. In favor of Sinner, you have plus 3.5 for Medvedev at plus 125. Over under 37.5. 
The over is at 130, unders at even money. And if you want 39 and a half, the over is uh, plus 105. The under is minus 135. Sinner minus one and a half sets is around minus 145. And Medvedev to uh, win at least two sets in the match is plus 120. Match to go over three and a half sets is at minus 165. Match to go under three and a half sets is plus 135. Sinner to win in straight sets is currently at plus 195. Medvedev to win in straight sets is currently available at 9-1. to one. Now, to go through the actual head-to-head uh, between these players, it's kind of a tale of two stories because Medvedev is currently leading 6-3 in the head-to-head, but Sinner did win each of the last three meetings. So the point is Sinner seems to have found some type of recipe for success against Medvedev, and all those matches were on hard court. So I do have to point out that even though it is 6-3 in favor of Medvedev, it looked a lot better and it was 6 nothing. Let's put it that way. So I think that Sinner has, I don't want to say solved the Medvedev puzzle, but there's a lot of room for, I say there's a lot of reason to believe in Sinner to get it done, especially based on his head-to-head success, that he's kind of figured out Medvedev and Medvedev has really struggled to adjust to the improvements that Sinner's made in his game, especially on the serve which was a really just a deciding factor in that semifinal match against Djokovic and a big reason why he's only dropped one set in the entire event. Now, I got to mention the path of both players. Sinner has been able to beat pretty much everybody in straight sets with the exception of Djokovic. Ended up beating Zanschulp in straight sets, beat Dejong in straight sets, beat Baez in straight sets, Kashanov in straight sets, Rublev in straight sets, and Djokovic in four Arguably could have been in straight sets because he did have a match point in the third set tiebreak. But the point is, he has only dropped one set here. And as a result, he has been on the court for a total of 14 hours and 44 minutes. Now, by comparison, Medvedev had an easier path based on opponent. And he's had a more difficult time of dealing with the weaker competition. Medvedev ended up beating Otmain in three and a half sets, basically, as Otmain got injured and retired midway through the fourth. Uh, but he ended up losing the first set in that one. Lost the first two sets of Rusevori, then won the match in five, beat Felix in straight sets, beat Borges in four, beat Hercatch in five, and beat Zverev in five. So as you can tell, Medvedev has only won one match in this entire event in straight sets. So he has been on the court for a long time, and as a result, he has been on the court for 20 hours and 33 minutes. I believe if this match goes over three hours and Medvedev wins it will be the all-time record for the longest time on court by a Grand Slam champion. I believe I saw that. Uh, You could correct me if I'm wrong in the comments section, but I do believe that is the case. So Medvedev, once again, has been a marathon man, and you have to wonder if his body is going to hold up for the sake of this final. It should, at least early on, because once again, there is some time off in between matches. So you're assuming Medvedev is going to be able to recover, but that's a lot of time on court. And once again, comparing the opponents here, I mean, Kashanov is a steady top 20 guy. Rublev's basically a top 10 guy. Djokovic is the best player of all time. Baez won a couple of ATP titles last year, and Zanchel probably should have won a title last year as he choked one away to Rune. But the point is, overall, that's a pretty decent collection of guys. And you're looking at Medvedev's path. Zverev, of course, is a good win. Her catch is a good win. Borges was a Cinderella story who ended up making a pretty deep run. Felix fell off a cliff com- compared to where he was projected to be a couple years ago. Rusevori's pretty good. He made a- an ATP final, and he ended up losing to Rublev in, I believe it was Hong Kong, uh, right before the, U- uh, the Australian Open. But he's also been a little bit underwhelming in his career. I don't think he's won an ATP title yet. So Rusevori uh, going down 2 nothing isn't exactly ideal. And Otmain in the first 
round, losing a set there, not ideal either. So once again, Sinner has only dropped one set against better competition, and Medvedev's been on the court for a long time. So I do think that benefits Sinner in the spot, and I do think the head-to-head turning over the last couple of months where Sinner has won each of the last three meetings does suggest that Sinner is actually worthy of being a 270 favorite. Maybe you could argue the 270 is a bit steep. Maybe you think it should be around 2-1, to one, maybe minus 180. Nerves might play a factor. We'll see. Then again, Nerves played no factor once again in that match against Djokovic, where Djokovic is basically in his backyard as he's been the best Australian Open player of all time. And Sinner didn't give a damn. And Sinner just came in there and kicked his ass. So I think Sinner, once again, is in a good spot to win this. I think you're looking at a situation where Medvedev, if he's going to win, is going to need to cut down the double faults, and he's going to actually need to have good return games against Sinner because Sinner did not face a break point against Djokovic. Now, Medvedev, we know, does stand really far back on the court. So I don't exactly expect many aces for Sinner in this match, but I do think Sinner can volley, and that's been an area he's improved in. So Sinner maybe is going to come forward. We have seen him do that a bit more against Medvedev in the past. We know the forehand and the backhand have been uh, filled with incredible power, and I do think that Sinner can push Medvedev around the court. But Medvedev, once again, is a guy who's going to play his way. If he's going to struggle returning, standing that far back on the baseline, he's not really going to change his position. He's going to go down with his usual formula. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, if it doesn't. And I do think that Sinner, once again, with the head-to-head success over the last couple of months, does seem to have the blueprint to at least make life, make uh, Medvedev's life extremely difficult over the course of these three to five sets. So for me, if you wanted my thoughts on this match, I am going to go with Sinner to win probably in four, if I had to guess an actual length here. He might win in three. We'll see. I don't see five. I think that Medvedev, once again, is going to struggle, at least with the stamina at various points in this match. I know Medvedev is very durable, but you can't keep dropping sets to inferior competition and expect me to pick you to have a shot to seriously win the match against the best opponent you faced in this event by a decent margin. I just think Sinner is ready for that moment, and I think that Sinner proved that against Djokovic. I do have to point out the first serve percentage was not great in that Djokovic match, so he's going to have to improve on that. But Medvedev standing that far back on the court is also not going to try to be aggressive with these second serve returns, which should result in Sinner really not being at a disadvantage if he gets the second serve in and I have more faith in Sinner's ability to take control of the rallies. So for me, I think Sinner's probably going to win in four, if I had to guess. I do think for the total is going to be interesting, because I can see maybe a 6-3 or 6-2 in this match, where Medvedev even lost the set 6-2 to her catch. So I do think Sinner can get multiple breaks in a specific set, and maybe win one 6-2. But going through the history of the head-to-head, you have seen a decent amount of tiebreakers when these two get together. So I do think you can end up seeing kind of a close call for the total. I think I'm going to lean to the under at 38.5 or 39.5. I think it's going to go slightly under. I think it finishes somewhere around 36-37. I don't have a play on the total, though. That's kind of just my lean. I do think Sinner minus the games is intriguing at either 3.5 and minus 155 or minus 4, 4.5. I do think, once again, Medvedev might get killed in a set. We'll see what happens. But I do think that Sinner, once again, is the better player based on current form. If I had to rank the best players in the world right now, Djokovic, I still would have at one because I think Djokovic is still the best player, just simply put. He's the most consistent, and he did win three Grand Slams last year. He's earned the benefit of the doubt. Now, second place, you can argue, Alcaraz did win Wimbledon. Since Wimbledon, though, Alcaraz really hasn't been that great. 
and you can make an argument that Sinner is on the verge of maybe leaping Alcaraz based on current form, because Alcaraz has two Grand Slam titles, Sinner has zero. So career-wise, Alcaraz is obviously better. But right now, you can argue Sinner is the, best player, is the uh, second best player in the world. So I think that Sinner, you can make an argument, is two or three. I think Medvedev is firmly at four, which is, I feel like, a pretty reasonable and objectifiably accurate uh place to put him in the rank in the ranking so once again Sinner's the better player in my opinion and as a result i am going to pick him to win this and win his first grand slam final on a sunday morning that's going to wrap it up though for the actual preview of this men's final now it's time for the lock and dog picks but before we do any of that going to have a quick word from our sponsor we're brought to you by Cut. Cut is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and available in 40 states. Peer-to-peer social betting is the new and better way to bet. Bet, direct, uh, bet directly against your friends or other users on sports, politics, pop culture, and other events with verifiable outcomes, plus a ton of social features that give it the feel of a betting social network. Cut also offers lower VIG and fully customizable odds. You can create your own bets. Cut handled the payment side of things. So you never have to worry about chasing down your money. Social features include group chats, betting leaderboards, head-to-head history, user profiles, fan groups, and more. And they have good rewards. Get cash back every single time you bet against your friends or other users. Remember that Cut is the peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and legal in 40 states. Head to Cut.com, that's K-U-T-T.com, and use code SGPN to get a 10% deposit bonus. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger betting smarter this interval season with Hall of Fame Bets. Sports analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into Hall of Fame Bets' revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit HOFBets.com and use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. We're also brought to you by the SGPN Merch Store. 15% off everything in the store from now until the end of the month. Promo code PLAYOFFS. We're also competing with other shows with the SGPN Network. So once again, if you do end up enjoying the tennis podcast and you do want to support the show we did add merch uh, over the past month so once again check out the merch store if you want to buy a t-shirt a mug a hoodie you get the point anything tennis gambling podcast is available on the sgpn merch store my favorite personally is the t-shirt big fan of different colors they have the green on green with the current logo we also have black and white if you do want to take that but it's very comfortable, and I do think, once again, you should get yourself a piece of merchandise if you do want to support the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We've finished previewing the men's final in the Australian Open between Medvedev and Sinner. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go with a set wager here. I am going to take Sinner minus one and a half sets at minus 138. In other words, Sinner to win in either straight sets or in four sets. Simply put, Sinner's won each of the last three meetings. I just think he's kind of solved Medvedev, and it does seem like Medvedev capitalized on Sinner's inconsistencies early in his young career. But those are few and far between now. Sinner has looked like, once again, a potential top two player in the world. Most people, including myself, would probably put Alcaraz ahead of him still. But the point is you can make, the, you can make an argument based on current form. But I think Sinner has kind of solved Medvedev. So, uh, we know Medvedev has one gear. He's going to try to outlast opponents. He's going to try to keep the ball in play. Not many winners, pretty good serve, but he can make some mistakes with the double faulting. And I do think that Sinner's serve and that growth in that area has been a, has been a, a big reason 
why Sinner has been this dominant recently, why he also helped carry Italy to a Davis Cup title. It just seems like Sinner is poised to make that leap, and I do have to question uh, with Medvedev being on the court for 20-plus hours and the fact that Sinner's been on the court for roughly six hours less than Medvedev. Sinner's only dropped one set in the entire event against, in my opinion, better competition from start to finish. I just think that Medvedev, even though he's made a very impressive run dealing with adversity up to this point, at some point you're going to run into a guy where you're going to have to play your best tennis, and Medvedev really hasn't done that. He's dropped sets all the time throughout this entire tournament. Sinner has not, and Sinner is the younger guy. But I think that Sinner, once again, is in a spot where he's going to get the job done. I like minus one and a half sets here. I think that his serve is going to be the story here. I think his serve will be able to uh, really, I don't want to say neutralize Medvedev's return game, but I am going to point out that Medvedev has not broken Sinner in two of the last three meetings. So if Sinner's going to hold and Medvedev's going to get broken, for example, five times in the first two sets against Verev, I do think Sinner's going to get some looks, and he was able to break Djokovic a couple of times. I do think you're looking at a spot where Sinner is going to get the job done, and with Sinner being a minus 270 favorite, I do want to find a way to reduce the juice, so I'll cut it in half, and I am going to go with the minus one and a half sets here at minus 138 as my lock. For my dog, I am going to go with a two-pick parlay. I am going to take the risk, and I am going to double down on Sinner Moneyline uh, in this spot, or at least him to win the match in some capacity. I'm going to go with Sinner Moneyline, parlayed with the first set game spread. I'm going to take Sinner, first set minus one and a half games, and that two-pick does pay out at even money. Starting off, I mentioned before, Sinner's a massive favorite. I think it's warranted, and Medvedev, once again, has struggled against weaker competition. At some point, when you go to -to back-to-back five-setters and you keep dropping sets, fatigue's going to catch up with you. And Medvedev, in the post-match, keeps talking about how exhausted he is. He might be, you know, overplaying it, uh, because in hindsight, or maybe after the match is over, the adrenaline kind of wears off. But I do think that Sinner has just been that much better than Medvedev in terms of the eye test and in terms of the overall just consistency in this event. So I do think Sinner, once again, will get the job done in the spot. Focusing on the first set, though, Sinner has been dominant in the first set. He has won the first set by at least two games in each of his last eight matches. So that includes every match here as well as the Davis Cup, where he was able to beat Djokovic, and he dominated in that first set. So Sinner has gone off to some fast starts, and Medvedev has gone off to some slow starts, because Medvedev has lost the first set by at least two games in five of his last eight matches. So I think that Medvedev, once again, is a guy who is kind of interested in the marathon, not the sprint, where he's not afraid of kind of having a feeling out process early on and then picking it up as the match goes on. But when you've lost the first set by at least two games in five of your last eight, and the other guys won by at least two games in each of the last eight. I think Sinner's in line for a good spot to get an early lead. I don't exactly expect nerves to play a factor because it didn't play a factor with him against Djokovic. And I do think that Sinner, once again, the serve has been the story. Medvedev at zero breaks in two of the last three match uh, meetings against Sinner. And Sinner, once again, was able to just jump all over Djokovic early in that match. So I think simply put, uh, there is a good combo play here. Uh, with the parlay, and I do like the actual price. So once again, the lock for the show is going to be on center, minus one and a half sets at minus 138, and the dog is going to be on a two-pick parlay. I'm going to go with center money line, parlayed with the center first set game spread, minus one and a half games at even money. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. You can find me on the NBA show, the NFL show. An NFL episode actually did end up getting posted about a couple hours ago for the AFC title game, which Terrell and I did. 
To go through the actual schedule, though, for the tennis podcast, right after the Australian Open, we do have a tournament in France in Montpierre. So we are going to be previewing that match, uh, that tournament in the next episode. But until then, uh, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.